everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to Worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco, and today we're recording this. We're a couple days out from AEW Revolution. I'm sure you were watching it because most people were. It was a fantastic pay-per-view. Um, but today we are, uh, I say we because I'm joined by a special guest. Me and my guest, we had kind of talked about doing something like this uh, down the line after he originally joined me. And today I'm joined by Jackie Lee to go over the AEW Revolution card. Jackie, how's it going? Awesome. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. You know, it was a, it was a fun little weekend of wrestling and I'm, I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah. I'm really excited. We followed through from uh, just <laughs> talking about this last time very briefly. And now we're doing it. <laughs> now, I mean, you watched the pay-per-view on a delay, um, which I think is very admirable because uh, some people, if they can't watch it live, they just kind of brush it off and Hey, you know, I'll, you know, watch it down the line, but you were, you were right in there right afterwards. eh? Yeah, I, I watched, I finished watching around 2 a.m. I think I, I okay. wanted to do it that same night or mm-hmm. else I have to avoid everything. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. After watching it, like uh, we'll go into all the matches, but what was your overall feel coming out of it? Uh, My overall feeling was very positive. I thought AEW did a great job overall and it was there. It felt like they found their footing on what the product is. Mm-hmm. This time around. Uh, not that they haven't in the past, but this is a show that featured a lot of new faces that weren't there, their last pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And um, the first time you didn't have Kenny Omega on any of their pay-per-views. So they had to rely on their new big stars like mm-hmm. Hangman. Uh, so overall it felt, it felt like a good show top to bottom. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this and uh, we'll jump right into things. I mean, the, the pay-per-view uh, I mean, you had the buy-in matches, which everyone is familiar with. We'll, we'll, we'll focus on the main card or else we're going to be doing a three hour <laughs> review podcast with everything. Um, it started, yeah. started off with Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston. And I leading up to this, I was a really big fan of the build. I think you have two fantastic promos and the way Jericho was promoing leading up to it, you know, almost going back to being like a sports, a sports entertainer, quote unquote, instead of just a wrestler. I think that really added something to this, uh, this little feud. Yeah. I think it fits the storyline because mm-hmm. Eddie Kingston, uh, his character is very much him right Mm -hmm. and it's like his journey and the grit and chris jericho can bring out the like no one else can really do the story where they're like you didn't make it you're jealous of me and it seems very cliche to do that but jericho can make it seem legit Mm -hmm. and it fits with him and i mean you you mentioned that and you really look at it with all of jericho's outside endeavors you know having his rock band being able to tour and do stadium shows with that and you know being you know he's done i think dancing with the stars or one of those yeah. reality shows so podcast his yeah. cruise so he's done everything. he's done so much more than just wrestling so it was nice with the two contrasts going into this matchup yeah kingston's very much a wrestler's wrestler very much one thing i've like before his time in AEW, i was never super familiar with eddie kingston but from the get-go i was down with his promos, his brawling ability, the way he wrestles. I was 
like he brings me and like captivates me immediately. That's awesome. I, I also have not been watching a whole lot the last bit and I didn't know too much about Eddie Kingston uh, when he signed with AEW, but I was mm-hmm. very pleasantly surprised. Like mm-hmm. his, he hasn't had a bad promo. No. And he's, I have extra respect for him. The fact that he sold that passing out after that exploding Barbara death match, um, mm-hmm. the extra respect here. Cause uh, you know, that could embarrass someone um, or, and really just lose your confidence after doing that. Instead he owned it mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it shows. Now with this matchup, one of the things I really liked was this to me, like, it brought me back to watching, you know, some like mid nineties, all Japan, just with the way they wrestled the style, they're brawling. I thought like that was, it was a nice change from what you might expect going into a matchup between these two. Oh yeah. I I felt like it was going to be something like this. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was a good opener and it's probably their best choice for opener as well, because Mm -hmm. I don't think this would have fit very well later in the card with all the stuff they had. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and they're both really over like eddie kingston is beloved by the fans there and jericho can have the crowd sing his song even if it wasn't playing you know it's funny you mentioned that they're both being over and even the start of the match like it was very much like two you know faces going at it but then you notice like almost halfway through jericho starts leaning into more of the heel tendencies you know shoving aubrey you know doing flipping off the crowd and that and almost embracing that heel side a little bit more yeah it's a little bit of the champion coming back out (laughs) do you you think coming off of this we are going to see jericho do another heel run or do you think he's just gonna he's only playing it up for this feud i think he's going to continue with it for this feud Mm because it's not over yet without the handshake they're Mm -hmm. probably going to do a little more with it but uh, jericho's in a position where you can kind of get away with being the tweener as some might say mm-hmm. and he fits that role he's just kind of being himself yeah um one other thing i really really enjoyed from this uh this match you had the uh i think it was jericho he busted off the the hurricane ron off the uh when they were up on the ropes oh, yeah, together the big frankensteiner yes that and even the lion salt that he hit you know i'm last year he had watched one of them and you know everyone kind of made jokes but this one it was like you know watching you know lionheart chris jericho bust that one out it it was a good one and uh, i don't like that people gave him shit for messing one out of thousand right like Mm -hmm. it happens any move but yeah um he's he's definitely in better shape than he's been as Mm -hmm. the last compared to the last few years um uh he's did well i i personally um I thought the finish could have been maybe like a roll-up type of deal. I know people are going to hate me for saying that. I think uh, if they're going to continue this feud, maybe they could have saved the tap out for like a, a bigger follow-up match, just mm-hmm. so the drama was built a little more instead of starting with it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I'm I'm not the one telling the story. It still works out pretty well. It just kind of, you know, that's a big win for Eddie Kingston, and maybe it's exactly what he needs. I honestly, I was surprised Eddie won when I was going through, like doing my pickums. I had Jericho down. I figure he's going to win this first one. Eddie wins down the line and gets that, you know, respect win. But the story they told with Jericho not doing the handshake, I was fully into that. Pardon me afterwards. Yeah. Uh, were you part of you expecting maybe, maybe give the handshake and 
go back to WrestleMania 19, kick to the nuts. A part of me kind of did think that, you know, like Jericho is going to do the handshake. He low blows him or, uh, you know, clocks him on, goes, you know, heelish. I kind of thought something like that afterwards, but. I guess they already did it with the MJF story, which we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. Don't want to overlap. But even with that, like I was still fully into Jericho just walking off. Like I want to see what's going to come from this now. Give me another match between the two. That's good. That means they did their job. (laughs) I enjoyed the match. That like gives a thumbs up from me. Um, after that, we went into the a triple threat for the AEW tag team titles. You had uh, Jungle Jurassic Express, sorry, against Red Dragon versus the Young Bucks. Um, I can say without a shadow of a doubt. Well, not without a shadow, because you ask me in two days' time what my favorite match is. It could be different, but going off the pay per view, this is still my favorite match of the night. I love this one. That's that's a fair choice. That was, you know, they never miss. AEW's tag matches never miss. They're always mm-hmm. fantastic, especially when you have the Bucks in there who work hard. I mean, all three teams work hard. Mm-hmm. I've yet to see a bad Bucks tag match when they have time. Mm-hmm. Um, no. I was just gonna say, uh, as a triple threat, um, it was really good match. Mm-hmm. Well- did you like what were your expectations going into this one? What were you thinking was outlaying with for yourself? I was expecting a great match. I mean, they, they kind of put that on themselves to mm-hmm. deliver every time, and they always do. And I was expecting a lot of drama between Red Dragon and the Young Bucks, mm-hmm. which they, they did uh, later on. Um, I wasn't really too sure who was going to win. I figured with the drama, maybe it's a reta- retain for the Jurassic express which mm-hmm. did end up happening uh or i don't know if they wanted to do like a like a swervy title swap where one team actually helps the other at the end um i don't know where they're going with that but there's so many different ways they can play this out and it's exciting with the you know storyline between red dragon and the young bucks uh i've been a big fan just like the slow burn between the two teams because it's you know it hasn't happened right away you know they've acknowledged their past history wrestling you know in roh wrestling in new japan they've always kind of like the bucks have always kind of kept in watched them out of the corner of their eye so to say you know and they've had the incidents with adam cole and that and even through this match it was going and then it's like a switch flicked and then it was like okay now there's they're going at it you know i can't yeah, remember I really like that yeah the way they've done it between the two teams i think was a lot of fun yeah and it's believable because it wasn't just like hey you you hit me and like now i hate you it was mm-hmm. very much like okay you finally crossed the line where you hit my partner let's beat each other up and it mm-hmm. was believable i enjoyed that one of my biggest takeaways from this match was, uh, I mean, I've always been a fan of Jungle Boy. I think he's a fantastic, uh, fantastic worker in the ring. He's young. He's got so much room to grow. I mean, the like the world is his oyster. But I felt in this match, it was almost like a coming out party for him, just with his star power that's there. You know, it's like he, he was able to hit some big moves. The crowd reaction when he he hit the shooting star press, like they were fully invested in him. Yeah, that was a that was a wacky spot that shooting mm-hmm. star as well. Very nice. Um, yeah, they, I mean AEW's been doing a great job highlighting their young talent, and Jungle Boy's definitely one of those upper ones. Mm-hmm. He had a great comeback and a lot of fire when he fires up. Mm-hmm. 
he like uh, I watched with my girlfriend on and off like she'd come in on and off and uh she's not super big wrestling fan so it's a fun perspective to hear but she saw the parts of this tag match and was like I really like that Tarzan kid and mm-hmm. you know if if it's that easy to identify it's gonna work pretty well in the big big scheme of things uh, coming out of this match where are you going with the title picture right now for the tag titles good question um it's there's a lot of ways they can do it but um I personally would like to see them lead up to like House of Black working with them mm-hmm. for the, the title picture. Um, I know they're new on the scene, so they, they might have to rack up a few more wins before they get that. But the dynamic between like, you got a dinosaur and a Tarzan type of vibe versus these black occult devils is I think very colorful. It's very mm-hmm. co- character filled. So that'd be a fun one. Um, Overall, though, like I, they've been working with like Revive or FTR and mm-hmm. um, the Bucks, of course. Uh, what do you think they're gonna kind of progress to? You know, I I love the thought of House of Black in there because I mean they're the PWG tag champs, so they've worked. You know, they've done shows outside of AEW. Um, I love that idea. I'd also the way they were building up Proud and Powerful with um, yeah. Uh, be, with you know Jericho and Kingston I would love to see them kind of be elevated to that next level and whether it's get a title shot or even get a tag title run because Santana and Ortiz are fantastic Santana has been wrestling on like he was doing warrior wrestling he wrestled speedball Mike Bailey had a great match there so he can go they're very talented in the ring oh I agree I, I actually that refreshes my memory a bit that that is probably the perfect feud to go into. And especially with Jericho doing more heel work as well, mm-hmm. because you know, down the line, they'll probably throw in the, the trios match between Christian with Jurassic Express versus Jericho with Proud and Powerful. Because mm-hmm. be yeah, it, it'll be curious to see if they do kind of blow up inner circle completely, or if you, know, you do run a heel Proud and Powerful, heel Jericho and see where you can go with that. It's uh, I love that the options are endless with AEW. Yeah, it's very much a wrestling company for wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of Inner Circle doesn't completely implode, but it's kind of like the era of the heels kind of shining and like there's still a brotherhood understanding between guys like Guevara and stuff, but it's not really highlighted, but they'll be mm-hmm. brothers forever. I like yeah. that type of vibe. You can run Sammy as a good guy who's still, you know, acknowledges his history with them, but doesn't always, he's not always out there and have, yeah. you know, all the friends as be heels. Yeah. Um, after that, we went into the face the revolution ladder match. Uh, so you had Wardlow, Will Hobbs, uh, Keith Lee, uh, Orange Cassidy, Christian, and Ricky Starks, Ricky absolute Starks. Ricky Starks. Um at one point in this match, I mean, you had just the hosses in there and it was, <laughs> it was the perfect setting for 305 live just with, you know, the amount of meat that was in there. I like that 305 live. <laughs> just hosses all the time, an hour of hoss. So one thing I really liked was um, nowadays in ladder matches, it's really tough to have innovative spots because there's been so many and it seems like, you're always seeing the same ones, but this match, it was able to do a few different ones. And I really like that about this. Yeah. Uh, you had, you know, um, 
when I can't remember who it was, but two of the big guys, they were holding the ladder. Uh, I think it was Wardlow and Keith Lee. They were holding the ladder while Orange Cassidy was hanging from it. Does a flips back onto the top of it and he's reaching for the title or for the ring. And that, yeah, that's something like that different. One. Yeah, it stood that out. Was, that would, yeah, it stood out. Um, it was, he yeah, is actually in touching distance. That was a mm-hmm. good one. I appreciate that spot. Uh, there was that one there was um the ladder was inverted up into the corner and uh will hobbs did a superplex off of there and you're you you see keith lee he's kind of holding the ladder in place too just because with that much force on there it could easily slide out so having spots like that definitely makes it stand out which is really tough to do nowadays yeah um a few thoughts of mine are um this ladder match, it was a fun one. Um, and they had a big dynamic of you got three big hosses, as you said, three <laughs> big meaty men slapping meat. And then you got uh, three very different characters. You got Ricky Stark, who, who's his own person. And you got Christian Cage, who's mm-hmm. the veteran. And you got Orange Cassidy, who's, who's an enigma in his own way. Mm-hmm. And I think they played to the spots each pretty well. And the the complaint i have is the positioning of this match um i feel like you just had a crazy banger of a tag match mm-hmm. and then you followed it up with like you know a match like this is going to be fast paced go 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 you think you could probably fit in like a singles between this instead of the back-to-back pace because yeah. i feel like after this match um the crowd kind of gets a little tired and then they have to build back up mm-hmm. so that's my main thing about it but the, for the match itself they played to the characters pretty well it got the result that they wanted uh mm-hmm. Woodlow, huge pop at the end uh when he got the sonic ring and <laughs> uh i also i'm sure a lot of people probably thought keith lee was taking it um i appreciate that aew has been booking all these nxt wwe talents as like mid-card-ish guys. I, I appreciate that because it makes your brand look legit. Like you don't have a guy who is a champion at a different brand show up and then become champion. That kind of slap in the face to all the guys that have been grinding for a couple of years. So mm-hmm. I really like that. And they they just kind of did the table bump with them to take him out a bit. I think it works. And it gives Keith time to work with all the guys before getting a big shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do, I understand where, when people want, you know, like a Keith Lee to come in, like whether it's be put in the TBS picture or put in the main event picture, but I think it really says something to your own brand, how you bring them in, but don't necessarily put them in that, let them build their way up, kind of get the following in AEW because AEW fans are very knowledgeable. They know they, I mean, they know what's going on. So to do that and not just thrust them in there, thrusting them in, it really gives, would give off like an impact vibe. You know, someone would get released from WWE, they'd sign with impact and right away they're main eventing the next pay-per-view getting a shot. It kind of comes off almost second rate, which uh, I'm not meaning to sound terrible, but it does in a way. So to do this, to bring them in, allow them to build themselves up, build more credibility, build more credibility for the company. It only benefits everyone involved. I agree. I, I think there's times where you can, you can go against that rule, of course, where it really <laughs> shocks the fans and gives them an edge, but <laughs> you know, it, it's better to trust your own guys. And obviously like the biggest pop in that match alone was probably Wardlow in general, because mm-hmm. he's kind of getting the baby face come out and, yeah. uh, 
he's a homegrown guy for them. Yeah. And you know what? I'm, I've been a big fan of what they've done with him. It hasn't, it's been a very much a slow burn with Wardlow, like giving him those reps and giving him the matches and even the feud with MJF, you know, we'll get into that later on, but how it's come to a head, like AEW hasn't rushed it. That's one thing they're very good for is letting a story play out. And it's a, a testament to them and everyone involved the, the reaction that comes from it. Yeah. You, you want to let your investment sit before you get that payout. And mm-hmm. uh, this is one of their first big ones coming out. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you did mention the match placement. And I think this definitely comes into play later on with a couple of the matches as well as with a card that's this stacked, you had no downtime. So you're going from one big match to another, to another, and you could notice the crowd kind of, you know, crowd dissipate a little bit, even my own enjoyment watching it. It's like, it's an adrenaline overload and then you have no yeah, time to kind of reset. From it. Yeah. Um, this is definitely a card that could have used, you know, one of those buy-in matches to almost separate you know, if you would have tossed in hook and QT in between these two matches, I think it would have almost, you know, benefited more than just running them back to back. But with so many talented wrestlers, it's tough to get everyone on there and still, you know, not have, you know, any lulls or anything like that. For sure. I, I think just the aesthetic of it, though, of having that many people in the ring at the same time, I don't think it's a smart idea to do back to back for that. Mm-hmm. Even if we put like a match we're about to talk about i believe is jade cargill versus um ty uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, even if that came on before just to break up the the pacing of like mm-hmm. super fast match super fast match and you got some classic singles you know it's it's hard to follow when guys are not dead after ladder smashing them to you know get a pinfall from a classic move Mm-hmm. Yeah, e- even just flipping those two, I think would have made a world world of difference. And uh, uh, like that TBS title match, um, what they've done with Jade so far, you've brought someone into the company who had very little wrestling experience beforehand. They've, you know, kind of, I don't want to say gave her the Goldberg treatment, but they have allowed her to get wins off of, you know, lower level competition to build her up. And it's come to a point now where, I'm not one who's huge into the ratings and stuff, but you see people talk about it. And when she's on the screen, people are tuning in. They're fully behind Jade, even though she's not, you know, she's still developing as a wrestler. Mm. That's, um, that's a good point. Um, I mean, when you look at Jade, you see a star. Like Mm -hmm. if this is a video game, her aesthetics point is maxed for sure. And uh, even if you're not a wrestling fan, you, you see her on a poster or something you're like, oh, she looks badass. She looks mm-hmm. really cool. And like her presence is there. And she's so new that her wrestling is going to come with time as long as she likes doing it. Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, you hear the stories and stuff like she's working with Brian Danielson backstage or in the ring so yeah. being, being able to learn from one of the best. I mean, with her athleticism, with her star power like the sky is the limit for her and you you love to see it as a wrestling fan oh for sure are we going to transition to this match we're talking yeah about we're now? just going to go right into yeah, it sounds good um <laughs> i i like the booking of jade i mm-hmm. think it also elevates the tbs title where right now some fans that are tuning in might think i think the tbs champion could beat the women's champion right now mm-hmm. and 
I like that feeling. I liked when New Japan was like, I think the IC champion's better than the heavyweight champion. I like that. Um, I don't like when it's clear cut that, you know, the heavyweight champions leagues above the mid card yeah. title. I, I like a less discrepancy. I think the number two guy on a roster or a number two girl should probably be holding that second secondary title at that level anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoy that with Jade. I like the streak. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it works for her. And if people don't like it, they're spending their time talking about it. So it works out. It's a win-win mm-hmm. for AEW, uh, hands down. And um, I personally thought the match was a little sloppy. I don't think it's, um, it just, maybe it's the stylistic thing. Cause I was talking to my buddy, Scott, who, who really enjoyed that match actually. But I think I'm, I care about like crispiness in a match. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it maybe ties movements. They're, they're just a little slower and sluggier. Uh, and then the pacing, maybe because they're both not, crazy experienced but they got the job done mm-hmm. one thing i i've noticed with ty that um really like this match i really noticed like i i'm a fan of her work i thought that she's made so much headway since coming from nxt with give be, being given that opportunity she's taken the ball and ran with it but one thing i noticed in this match were her the expressions on her face were very over the top like it was it really stood out to me and almost took away a little bit from the match performance that's a that's a good thing uh sorry a good uh point you noticed uh her i think you're right it was a bit cartoonish Mm -hmm. where like you don't think she's actually afraid of jade but i Mm -hmm. think that's the feeling that they wanted right yeah um yeah with uh one of like leading up to this match i mean they had their promo on dynamite where, you know, Ty is about to cut a promo and in Jade walks. And she said, you know, something along the lines of, uh, I don't have time for this karate bitch or something like that. And just that one line and her walking in the confidence, she said it. And it's just like, I am fully behind Jade. I, she has a fan for life after that. It was just the, the sass and just the, um, or that came from it, I was completely invested after that point. I want to see this, uh, to see how it all played out. And You are right. I mean, there was some sloppiness in the match, but uh, I think it delivered. I mean, Jade was able to get a win off of uh, a top level, a top competitor in the women's division, just elevating her even higher up there. Yeah, and a pay-per-view singles match as well. Mm-hmm. And like the crowd, obviously, the, I would just say in general, AEW crowds into everything. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything that they don't like of their product, but uh, they're definitely behind both people, mm-hmm. uh, both women in the match. And I think, I think there was a lot of potential in both of them as yeah. well. Yeah. I, and I think the, the Jade thing though, you mentioned, she said that line and it made you a fan forever. I think one beautiful thing about it is that uh, she is someone that can deliver that line and you can't just, tell anyone to deliver that line and get the same result not at all be her yeah if you had you know anyone else whether it's you know if you had there's only a handful that probably could deliver that line and get away with it but if you had you know like uh the bunny or you know penelope ford walk in there you're just gonna be like eh, whatever but jade walks in there and says it you know like i could see if like nyla rose walked in there and said it you're just like yeah I, i buy that but like only a handful could deliver that and come away with that same result. Yeah. I mean, it's the difference from even just 
buying it to like, damn, you know, you're quoting her after because yeah. that simple line stood out that much. <laughs> I, I remember I tweeted out that line afterwards and, you know, the retweets from that and the group chats just blowing up with it because like everyone was like, yep, I, I love that. So yeah, she definitely has the it. Factor. Mm -hmm. So that led into one of the matches that I think was uh, a big selling point for a lot of people on this card. You had two of the top stars in AEW with, MJF and CM Punk going head to head in a dog collar match. I thought from the very beginning, um, this feud, you know, it has been something incredibly special. When they announced the dog collar stipulation, I thought that it was going to go down as something incredibly memorable. And without a shadow of a doubt, it was. Yeah. Is this in your top few matches of the night? It is. It is. Uh, it's, uh, I had this at number three. So okay. yeah, the only thing uh, higher than this besides the tag match was Jericho Kingston, which was cool. just fantastic. So, but uh, yeah, I like think a, I would definitely agree. I think this was their marquee match of the night. Mm -hmm. I think this was, I mean, CM Punk was literally in the center of the poster mm -hmm. uh, for Revolution. Um, the buildup, I mean, honestly, uh, it's it's like a second to none buildup. I was so impressed with the promos that's led up to this, the feud in general, this really raises the bar, not only for AEW's storytelling and their feuds, but just pro wrestling in general, any company across the board, any mm -hmm. time frame. Um, I've never seen a promo quite like the one Maxwell pulled off where he mm -hmm. kind of like did a fake double turn. I've never seen that before. And I've watched a lot of wrestling in my life. And like just after the result of that is you can do whatever you want. Like, there's so many different outcomes that can happen and that's exciting for a fan to watch and go which one are they going to go with instead mm -hmm. of thinking like they should go with this one because it's the best one like instead of that any of them would be good and they decided to keep mjf as a heel which is totally understandable and it really peaked the feud mm -hmm. and i think it's safe to say this is kind of like the middle ground of the feud like act two yeah right um there's plenty more to come. The uh, what I really liked when this was you had so many, um, they harkened back to so much of the ROH feuds that Punk was a part of, you know, the Punk versus Raven feud that they had the dog collar match. You had, you know, Punk coming out to the AFI theme music wearing his old ring attire, you know, all those little things. It just it made this match so much more special and even you mentioned that MJF promo and, you know, like you heard the talk of, Oh, could it be a face turn or maybe, you know, they're going to do a double turn. And the best outlook I had, or I heard about it was Max is telling this promo and it's not a face turn. It's his origin story of why he is so villainous. And I thought that's the best way to look at it because him as a villain is second to none. If you compare him to when he started off as a face. Oh yeah, I, I agree. I felt very much like a origin story. It's like the Joker's past type of mm -hmm. deal. Um, I think the reason I said the face turn and all the other outcomes is because he was at he is at a point where if he did turn face after that, or you know, uh, was a good guy after that, it's. I think he'd reached the next level even because it's not just a classic I turn babyface. It was very much a, I bear my soul with the crowd, and now I can just 
do whatever I want for the rest of my career type of moment. And I, I think if he stays healed, like he's just going to keep gathering that respect of like, wow, this guy's on the next level. Cause like, he's just building this portfolio of amazing work. So this, it's honestly a win-win scenario. Um, like you said, there's a lot of throwbacks to ring of honor, which it was very enjoyable for guys like us that have watched ring of honor before. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think a lot of the fans there didn't know the lyrics to the AFI song. <laughs> um, I saw that one guy singing along and then he looked around and he was like, Oh, no one else is singing the song. It's uh, just me guys. <laughs> I'm going to do this yeah. by myself. Okay. <laughs> uh, I love that song back in the day. That was, <laughs> that was a sick entrance. Um, and the gym shorts, I, I wrestled in shorts once ever. And it was inspired somewhat by that. <laughs> a lot of, leg room um spectacle of a match i think it went a tad long i think they could have wrapped up the story a little more condensed with this match um the pacing was what it was i mean it's understandable why they took long because there's so much blood involved and there mm -hmm. was a lot of storytelling involved but I, I do think it probably could have ended a little sooner than it did mm -hmm. Um, one thing that I loved about this was the, the way it ended, um, because their first encounter, you had Wardlow giving the ring to Max for him to win this match. You had Wardlow leaving the ring for punk so he could win. They've beaten each other, but it's only because of help from Wardlow. So they're one and one against each other, but neither have beaten the other clean. So it's almost like when they go into a third match, it's still split. So it's like it's a clear a clean playing field going into this third one i agree that's that's one awesome thing about this feud and how it's been progressing is like they can have a lot more to work with because of that that one dynamic instead of like just running running it back over and over again mm -hmm. uh this the third block whenever they do it is gonna be a big one and i think it's it's really fun that they've had the classic wrestling match start which was a really good match the their first match and then you have this one which is a very throwback gritty old it's a dog collar match you know, mm -hmm. there's always blood and there's always grit uh and whatever they do for the third whether it be regular match or another gimmick match i think it's really going to complete like what i would say is probably pound for pound the best story feud in professional wrestling in the last few years at least. Mm -hmm. And now coming out of this, I mean, they've they're obviously setting up the field for MJF to feud with Wardlow coming out of this, whether it's him costing Wardlow the title, you know, in two weeks' time or whatever it may be. Um it seems like they're going to be going in the direction of the world championship with punk. Uh, what are your thoughts if that's the way they're headed or what do you think they're going to do with punk? Um, I think it'd be fun to take a break from the MJF punk feud in the sense that like they're one, one and now Max has a bone to pick with Wardlow. Mm -hmm. So he can kind of spin back to the punk thing, but it's always there. Mm -hmm. um, what I think will happen after I have, Punk in the title picture, uh, he has one loss, right? Is that his only loss, MJF? Yes. Mm, so I guess he's like, he's probably the top contender at this point. I think that'd be a fun one. I mean, I, I'll talk about this a little more later with Adam Page's match, but mm -hmm. uh, 
I think the way he's booked is very classic and in a good way where they're like, it's like a throwback. He's kind of like the territory's champion. And uh, I, I don't think it has to be a bad guy versus good guy thing with Adam Page. I think like characters do the difference. Mm-hmm. Punk is, he's not a heel. He's, he's more leaning towards babyface, right? Yeah. And I could totally buy a story with Hangman and Punk. And I could see Punk turning more heel for that, where he would start bringing out the fact that, hey, you're kind of a drunk and mm-hmm. I'm straight edge and we should have a better champion. And it could be an awesome feud for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, MJF Wardlow, uh, it seems like it's maybe aimed towards the TMT championship, possibly, mm-hmm. which I think would be really good for them. And even if the Punk MJF third match happens where MJF's the TNT champion and successfully defends it or uh, some goofy ending or something. Uh, I totally buy that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot to come out of this. And it's, I think it's whatever Punk wants to do. Mm-hmm. Wants to do. Well, you had mentioned the secondary titles and how, you know, it you should have, you know, one of your top stars as that champion. And that would be almost perfect if you had, you know, an MJF or even, you know, a Brian Danielson as your TNT champion, you know, because everybody knows that those would be two of the top guys in the company and to have them right below, it's only elevating that championship and bringing more eyes to the, you know, not the, the product in general. Yeah. I believe in champions believing in themselves being champions. If someone's holding a midder card title and they go, I'm the best right now. And this is the title that matters as if they believe it, I believe it as a fan. And mm-hmm. I think they should be carrying that. And right now I think Sammy's doing a great job with that. Mm-hmm. He seems like his own version of the face of the company. Uh, I, I know there's, you know, not everyone's fully in on the, the Sammy train, but he is incredibly talented. I mean, his match that he had with Cody Rhodes a few weeks back was just, it was fantastic. That cutter, he landed off the two ladders. I mean, that's, you know, that's video game type stuff in there. And <laughs> it was incredible to see, you know? Yeah. And so. you can't even put that in a video game until someone does it in person. So, <laughs> uh, geez. <laughs> uh, um, Coming out of from that match, though, and we had kind of talked about the match placement. Um, we went from this match to the women, AW Women's Championship between Thunder Rosa and the champion Britt Baker. And I thought because of you're coming off of the dog collar match, you're coming off of the blood and the intensity, this match definitely lacked a little something because of that. And they both were, you know, both are incredibly talented, but I think it was noticeable in the match that it it was a little lackluster. It was hard to, it's hard to follow something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if these guys were bloody beating the piss out of each other, and then you got a classic wrestling match with some hijinks in there. And um, I thought the match was pretty good. Overall, mm-hmm. it was a pretty good match. Uh, they had a lot of time. But mm-hmm. it is two back-to-back matches that kind of went pretty long, which, you know, if you're sitting there for a while, I, I'm honestly, most people I talk to that watch wrestling, they take breaks nowadays. They usually don't sit down and watch the full show. Uh, and if they do, they probably miss something. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those moments back-to-back where it was like a little, it's, it's a little quiet. Um, yeah. But it's better that they had time 
rather than if they only had like a 10 minute quickie. Yeah. You, you don't want to rush them with, you know, all the work that they put into building these two up and the work that they've done getting that women's division from where it first started off. You don't want to just have a five minute match and blow it off where it's going to hurt the product more than anything. So at least giving them the time to work their full match and do what they had planned. Yeah. Let the woman shine. I think yeah. maybe if there was a bit of a stipulation, you could have broken it away a bit mm -hmm. to, to change things up. I, granted, they did have a lot of stipulation matches over the night. Mm -hmm. So maybe that was a creative choice. Um, and these, this is not their first time meeting each other in the ring for a pay-per-view big match. And yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was overall a solid, if, if you watch this match as a standalone, it's still a very solid singles mm -hmm. match between two great women. Um, a lot of hijinks in there to protect Britt Baker mm -hmm. and, and Thunder Rosa. And yeah, I, th I thought it was pretty solid overall. Yeah. Um, coming out of the match, I mean, they announced this week on Dynamite, uh, we're getting Layla Hirsch versus Thunder Rosa in a number one contenders match. The winner getting Britt Baker in San Antonio, which just so happens to be Thunder Rosa's hometown. So it's almost setting the stage for, you know, a big Thunder Rosa win in her hometown, winning that championship. And I think the way, the way they've booked wrestlers in their hometowns, I mean, I'd fully expect Thunder Rosa to win. And honestly, you would love to see a moment like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I didn't know that. I try to avoid too much details, but that, that's interesting. I mean, a bit of a spoiler, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, that's awesome. Like, I think of it in her perspective and a moment, having a moment like that, you know, you keep it forever and it's just magical. So that's good. And the way that this match was booked, it makes perfect sense then. The fact mm. that... Um, there was so much hijinks and there was so much cheating going on that she was working against all the odds and probably had her in a few occasions. Mm -hmm. Now, coming out from this match, we went into, I think, one of the matches that is a lot of people's favorites. We had John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. Now, I, I'm, I've been a big fan of what Brian Danielson has been doing since he made his way to AEW. His matches have been incredible no matter who he steps in the ring with whether it's pardon me whether it's kenny omega or lee moriarty or you know one of the members minoru from dark suzuki. order yeah or minoru suzuki even you know like yeah. every every match has been a fantastic match and this was no different this was a great matchup great matchup uh brian i think right now is my favorite performer in wrestling mm -hmm. uh, i think he's his handcuffs are off he's having a good time and he's telling his story and when you've got a small guy like that, uh, that makes you believe that he's the most violent killer out there, love it. Love mm -hmm. it. Again, flashbacks to the, the golden age of WCW cruiserweights and stuff like that. Um, uh, it was very hard hitting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I loved it. This is, it's up there for one of my favorites tonight. Mm -hmm. There was a few things in this match that really stood out. You mentioned the violence. I mean, the striking between the two, it started off that striking exchange with just how vicious those chops and forearms were and like the sound they were making. It was, you know, it was deafening almost. It was great. I love that. You had that. You had um, Brian go for the dragon sleeper on Mox a couple times and the visual yeah, of that. Yeah, he gets a good one. Yeah. 
that is he's got to get some tap out wins with that one because he's the american dragon Mm -hmm. you see stuff like that and you're just like shit this is what i'm fully invested in so did you notice the did you notice the kick that mox gave uh brian on the back no that one got me um brian did his like his classic uh, snapmare kick to the back Mm -hmm. and of course he has kick pads though and then mox did the same thing but he has boots on and and he went a little high as well i was like that one from experience that probably hurt the most out of the entire Mm -hmm. match (laughs) now with these two you had you know the viciousness which was even a level above eddie and jericho's match and there is one thing i loved which um Earlier in the weekend, uh, Brian was on, he did an interview with um, Dave Meltzer, talked about, you know, leaving WWE. And one of the things was he, when it was time to, you know, talk contracts, he wanted to be able to bleed. And, you know, yeah. WWE wouldn't allow that. So he was like, okay, when it goes to AEW and you see him bleeding there and the joy on his face to be able to do something like that. It just, it makes you smile as a fan because you know, they're enjoying it too. Yeah, what a sadistic man. (laughs) Loves the blood. He loves his chest being ripped open by chops most Mm -hmm. matches. Um, Yeah, I mean, these are both guys that really were able to take the handcuffs off in AEW. Not that they aren't doing great things in WWE, but um, you know that they probably had so much fun doing Mm -hmm. this match. There's probably a lot of things they didn't call. They just kind of felt it. and It was one that also started with the crowd very low they were just really tired at this point of mm-hmm. the show so they kind of popped for the entrances and then they simmered down a bit but by the end of the match they were invested and mm-hmm. really into every hit and the story has been really good as well i'm glad that it's a different story because there's enough drama happening with the kingston jericho and mgf punk that yeah we don't need another very deep story i think the general fan will be too exhausted to have that much going on in a show. So I love that it's, it's a basically two violent guys are like, Hey, I, I want to team with you. And I think we can have this new breed and the other one going, well, you got, we got to fight first mm-hmm. classic. And that's a story you can't really tell with anyone else. Like if this was Sammy Guevara and jungle boy, I think the collective online fans at least would probably be laughing that that's yeah. the story but you have Brian and Mox and it works out perfect. Mm-hmm. You have two, two wrestlers who it's believable that they're this violent, this, you know, intense, the, the storyline fits them perfectly. And I mean, for myself, I would love to see them in a faction where they're bringing in Daniel Garcia or Lee Moriarty or Wheeler Yuta. Like give me a group of guys who are just badass, violent wrestlers, you know, like sign me up. I want to see that. Or, or even if there's a dynamic of you got two violent guys as the veterans in the group. And these younger guys are like struggling to fit in with the style, but they're slowly learning it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also ended with Regal who mm-hmm. seems to be involved with this uh, pretty big. I mean, now, I mean, Regal shows up, um, and they didn't say much about, you know, him when he was there. They mentioned his name. Uh, they mentioned the history between the two. What I loved was when Regal, after he slaps Mox and gives him the headbutt, and you see Brian and he's got his arms open like he's going to get a hug, and Regal slaps him too. And I was like, mm, I like this. That's perfect. Good. Yeah. That's exactly what they needed to do. 
do you think we're getting Regal kind of at the head of this, or do you think Regal's got a different sort of uh, uh, opportunity in AEW, maybe an on-screen, you know, official sort of role, or do you think he's going to be a manager? I think he's going to be a mixture. I think yeah. for such a talent to be signed by AEW, they're going to just maximize him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know Regal personally, but he obviously loves professional wrestling. So I think he wants to be involved as much as he can from whatever mm-hmm. aspect. Really honestly reminds me of Sting, who we'll talk about later, who just, you know, gets in and just wants to do as much as they can. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he should be like the mastermind leader because I think Brian Danielson and John Moxley are two top guys, period. They don't need a guy looking up. So if anything, it'll be more like, evolution type of vibe where mm-hmm. it's like the rick flair in the the story no i like that um i think with someone like regal his history the knowledge he has of wrestling you would be you'd be stupid not to bring him in with the with what you're trying to do and the way they're changing wrestling that's someone you want to have with you to almost to instill that knowledge to off yeah, the tips for, and guidance for like any position even mm-hmm. as just a guidance counselor or yeah. someone backstage trainer coach um scout or on screen like he is so valuable like the moment he got released i'm sure there <laughs> a lot of people are looking for him mm-hmm. so uh you had mentioned staying we'll jump into the uh, co-main event which was that trio's tornado tag match um so full disclosure i watched the pay-per-view live and then after the box match you know i it was already 10 o'clock and i have to be up early so i was like okay i'll watch the rest of the next day and it made it a lot easier to manage or else i would have been exhausted but i watched this match first thing in the morning when i was on the treadmill and this was a spot fest and I was completely invested in it. I oh, love this it match. Pump you up on the treadmill. It did. You know, I increased that <laughs> uh, incline and speed and incline I was just giving up. her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, I thought the pacing of the match was perfect for a tornado trio. I love tornado matches because mm-hmm. there's always something going on instead of someone hiding in the floor, <laughs> waiting for the next spot. And you got the young guys in there. You got the the veterans in there and, it was like you said, spot fest, but it was great. I mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It was one of my favorite matches on the card. Uh, you had mentioned, you know, like everyone's doing something, and this I noticed where you you see, I think it was Andrade and Darby were in the forefront, but in the background you see Sting and Matt Hardy. They're still doing something in the background. You see Sammy and um, Isaiah. They're setting something up too. So it's not like they're just laying around, you know. Passing the time, waiting for their chance. They're still doing stuff in the background, and you're like, you're like, okay, what's going on over here? You know, so you know that they're setting something up, and it just keeps you going. Yeah, I think there's still like unnecessary spots, whatever you want to say about the match. But if, if for me, I didn't um, take breaks from the show, so I watched straight through. Mm-hmm. And as a pacing thing, it was really nice because we just had the long drawn out MJF match with Punk, and then you had the long women's singles classic match. And then you follow that with a hard hitting, not that Brian and Mox are slow, but it's more, it's a gritty fight. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a Japan style match. And then this one was like, this felt like AEW. Mm-hmm. Like it felt authentically, this one and the other tag match felt like an AEW match, what they're known for. Mm-hmm. And I think pacing wise, it was perfect on the card. And 
everyone was able to be showcased, maybe besides Isaiah, who seems to be the blur, always take the blunt <laughs> of the blows, unfortunately, but I, he's great at doing it. <laughs> um, and- Andrade's a beast. Just a side note, he's just a beast. <laughs> yeah. I've, you know, I was very skeptical when they first brought him in because, you know, he had those great matches in NXT. He had a great run there on the main roster. He never really was given the opportunity, gets released. And you're like, okay, well, what Andrade is going to be showing up in AEW? You're going to get main roster Andrade or the NXT Andrade. And I mean, the first match, I was still skeptical, but since then I've been a hundred percent behind him. I thought he's been fantastic. His promos backstage, like the interactions between him, Darby and Sting are, have been great. Like it's enough comedy to make you laugh, but then enough seriousness to know that he means business. So I, I love what they've been doing with him. Yeah, I think he has a good spot because of the contrast. There's There's not a character quite like his right now. And his wrestling style is the perfect in-between because AEW has such a mixture of styles. Like you have guys Mm -hmm. like Phoenix and Penta and Andrade will be able to do something different with them versus when he works with a guy like Darby or or Sammy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in this, you'd mentioned Isaiah and just he's the brunt of uh, all the punishment, it (laughs) seems. But it's, uh, you you, want to see someone like that. He's there, he's getting the... uh, on the bottom end of the uh, spotlight, so to say, but you're still, treatment, huh? <laughs> yeah, you're still happy for him. And you like, you almost want to see him succeed after that to be like given that chance. So uh, hopefully good things come for him because he he's been working hard. Yeah. I think he's actually a really good talent. Um, mm-hmm. Overall. I think he has a really good look, uh, a mm-hmm. natural charisma to him and he really bumps his ass off. Oh, cause uh, between some of the spots and the, the Spanish fly in this match, and then he, the, uh, the toss from Keith Lee a few weeks ago where he went, you know, three quarters of the ring. <laughs> this, this guy's taken a beating. Yeah. I had something about his face. I don't, it's he has the perfect, like smug thinks he's the shit. Type <laughs> of look. It's great. I like it. <laughs> um, mentioned the, the Spanish fly off the top. I think it was the Spanish fly. And then sting had that huge splash through the, the tables on Andrade. This man is 62 years old, 63 in a matter of weeks. And He's doing stuff like this. Talk about a love for wrestling. Yeah. Um, the, the first spot, I'll say, um, I think it was unnecessary, but it was a nice spot nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Big Spanish fly off the thing. Uh, it, I think it was funny because Isaiah's up top and Sammy's climbing to get him. And, you know, Isaiah's panicking like, oh, no, he's coming after <laughs> me. I'm like, you have the advantage. You could just step on his fingers or something, you know? <laughs> like the logic wasn't there for that spot. Yeah. But it was a very pretty Spanish fly, of course. Sammy has a very nice one. Mm-hmm. And the bump, it almost was scary because the way they landed on the second table, the head almost whipped the front one. So you could really tweak your neck doing something like that. But it looks like they're both safe. Um, and moving on to the, the sting spot, that one actually got me off my seat. And I, I usually don't pop up my seat, but um, <laughs> I was watching it by myself at this point and uh, my girlfriend later was like what happened <laughs> yeah made some sounds i'm like well uh well sting kind of did this big spot he jumped off and she's she's like okay what's the big deal i'm like well, there are so many guys that jump off of high things in this match the last one i expect to do it is sting like i would put matt hardy doing a leg drop off off the bleachers before sting would do a big dive onto like what four or five tables mm-hmm. on the concrete floor 
Um, but he did. And uh, I mean, he seems to be safe. It also could have been a scary bump, but mm-hmm. yeah, the man obviously loves wrestling. And I think it's a testament to Sting just being an awesome person. Mm-hmm. You could tell, you know, he's enjoying what he's doing, you know, like it's such a contrast from when he was in uh, WWE and how they use him to now. And like, it seems like he's enjoying it. He's having fun. And I think the fans see that. So they see that he's enjoying it, having a good time. And it makes them, you know, it makes it even more special. Yeah. I think the WWE run was unfortunate, not due to him and other circumstances. I'm sure he had fun as well, but Mm -hmm. it's just different. Like, unfortunately that uh, injury happened when he faced Seth Rollins Yeah, and then things shifted to them being more concerned of his health instead of letting him do some stuff. Mm -hmm. But AEW has different medical rules and obviously stings in, good shape, good health. And that's what surprised me. You got Darby, Sammy in this match who were probably going to jump off something high. And it was like <laughs> Sting going, hey, hold my bat. It's my turn. <laughs> and uh, he seemed to be having the best time of his life doing uh, that. Someone had tweeted out a video because the spot was so reminiscent of uh, New Jack and ECW and he would dive off the balcony. So they put his theme behind it and it just, it brought a smile to my face. <laughs> um, there's been so much talk of uh, Jeff Hardy coming into AEW with his contract being up soon. Do you, do you think they're going to go this way? You think we're going to see a reuniting of the Hardy boys? Or what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. First, I just want to preface this is uh, I'm sorry if I'm not more bringing insider talk or like what? I don't I try not to keep up too much with the Internet fan stuff because it can get, you know, I don't okay. I don't want to yeah. say anything that will get me burned here. But <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not uh, accurate depiction of what's actually happening as well. So mm-hmm. I, I like to keep keep it balanced somewhat. Mm-hmm. So I try not to keep up with the rumors too bad. But um, obviously, Jeff Hardy is in the works to come to AEW. I think that's pretty clear though. And I mean, I personally am more excited about these younger teams doing their stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there's always a, a spot for guys at that caliber that can bring something to the table to help elevate the younger guys. So for that, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for the young talent to be able to have dream moments working with their heroes mm-hmm. and making some special moments. But Overall, I think if Jeff Hardy came, he'd be more free to do more of his creative things like play with Willow character more and um, do some behind the scenes stuff with Matt where he can kind of do and say whatever he wants because we both know Jeff Hardy is extremely creative person mm-hmm. and probably influenced probably every wrestler on AEW. So it would be fun to see him probably revitalize his creativity and combo stuff that we don't expect him to do just wait until the Hardys and House of Black are able to uh, get all their creative juices together and what oh, we're going to see out of those two. <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sold with the, the current Matt Hardy character with, with him with Private Party. I, no. Though I haven't been following along super heavily. Um, it's, I mean, it's working because he's getting booed and like, I'm, I'm booing him, I guess, when I'm watching, like, oh, man, and I'm like this guy um, type of feel. So it's probably working for what they're trying to do. But I think we've seen better of Matt Hardy. Yeah. And uh, honestly, we've probably seen better of Isaiah Cassidy and when he was doing private party stuff. 
It's funny so, you had uh, you mentioned the Willow character because uh, I had just picked up a converter to digitize VHS stuff, and I have an old RF video of Jeff Hardy wrestling, doing Omega and all that with the Willow character and stuff. So oh, wow. I got to try to rip all that so I can upload it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Send me some of that. <laughs> um, that was the co-main. Leads into the main event. Uh, Adam Cole versus Hangman Page, AEW title. The best way to describe it was how you described it earlier. It was a classic wrestling match. And I thought it was great. I loved it for exactly what it was, a, a standalone wrestling match. It didn't need the bells and whistles, just two guys going out and putting on a main event level match. Yeah, it was a clinic. I think um, for some reason, I would probably put this as my favorite match of the night. Mm-hmm. It's a strange pick, but I think it's an honest pick. It's the main event, and I'm glad I get to pick the main event, um, <laughs> which is rare nowadays, right? Um, yep. There's, there's so many matches that stand out. But for this one, it felt like, it honestly felt like AEW versus NXT at its peak. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really enjoyed about it, because that's what Adam Cole brings to the show. And it felt like a takeover main event, which always is like, a lot of finishers and like a long one but when you look back in time and rewatch the match it hits right mm-hmm. and that's what they brought i felt very much like the face the spearhead of nxt was adam cole he was mm-hmm. definitely the face of that and kind of the face of AEW right now is hangman adam page i mean it it was kenny but when it comes to like homegrown guys hangman is like mm-hmm. what you think and i think he's truly the a really good throwback baby face right now perfect antithesis for adam cole in this match the uh the match it you could have taken this sort of match and plugged it into like an old you know starcade main event and it would have you know held the test of time that's how i look at it you know two guys going out there the style that they wrestled you you did have you know you know the kickouts and all of that um but just the overall feel that i was left with afterwards it just came across as just a classic match and i think that people will look back at it that way too as you know a a match that you know it's not going to be your okada omega but when you talk about a main event match this is what you have yeah and i think they're gonna see the legacy that hangman's doing right now with all of his title defenses so so far every single title defense he's had has stood out in a different way mm-hmm. and he's kind of survived like with that crazy texas match where he was gutted open basically and he had his his long like what do you call them iron man level matches with brian mm-hmm. and of course, is work with Kenny. And now it's kind of like, here's the test of you facing NXT's top thing. Mm-hmm. And that vibe alone was very fun. And like the placement of a match like this allows them to kind of do big moves and finishing moves and be able to kick out without worrying about what has to follow them. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that many people do it better than Adam Cole, who's like been in so many main events and those near falls, he's got them down so well. Um, the super kick he did with the moonsault thing of beauty. Oh, the timing's insane for that. Love it. Uh, just I, one of the reasons why I say it's my favorite match is because if I objectively look at it, 
it's one that you'll be able to watch back and it'll be somewhat timeless because you got the crowd chanting, let's go Adam, Adam sucks, you know, and it works for both sides. So even if whoever you're cheering on, it kind of works for you because they're both Adam and you'll be able to look back at that, I think. And no matter who you like, it'll make sense. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny because, you know, the crowd was kind of the beginning, they kind of went into business for themselves with the chance and that, but it seems almost like a third of the way in when they kind of see what's unfolding before them, it switched and they were completely invested in the match. Like they ate it up. Yeah. Also really sick gear from both guys. But, uh, <laughs> I really like that halo gear from Adam Cole. <laughs> uh, the uh, There was two things that I really enjoyed in this match. And both of them were actually via the announcers. Um, with uh, Excalibur, when Jim Ross asking the difference between a Liger bomb and a regular power bomb yeah. and Excalibur just, you know, casually explaining it. And then when Adam Cole went for the boom knee, but he didn't pull down his knee pad, Adam Page kicks out and then Excalibur explained afterwards, didn't get the full impact. He still had his knee pad up. And I thought that really spoke a lot to the story. Yeah, it's a very, those small details that the you know in a wrestling fan you do notice it when it happens but mm -hmm. adding to why it happens gets the viewers that aren't paying that much attention in mm -hmm. so they they'll see that a little bit more and you know kind of okay yeah in it almost they forces them to pay a little bit more attention if they're not fully into it because sometimes there's stuff going on but um during this match you you see adam page you know he tied up adam cole with his belt you could almost notice a few boos in there. Do you think that's going to play into the story down the line or is it just a one-off because Adam Cole is so ridiculously popular? I think it's going to play like uh, AEW has done a good job with that. They'll, they'll kind of, they'll, they won't just throw stuff that's happened away. Mm -hmm. They'll, they like to spin back towards it. And I think the dynamic that Adam Page has as, as the champion, as the, the front runner of the show is, very unique and uh i think this is one of those rare moments at this time if a lot of casual wrestling fans can actually put a dream match they could maybe say you know it'd be really cool if the top guy in wwe faced the top guy in AEW, and right now would make the best sense mm -hmm. not not saying that kenny versus roman or whatever wouldn't be amazing but story-wise and like box office wise character wise handman is actually the perfect opposite to a Roman Reigns and they're mm -hmm. both spearheading their own individual shows. I, I think that's beautiful. And also Adam Page has the, the Dark Order behind him, which is a very unique mixture um, to his character because he was kind of the lone anxious cowboy before after mm -hmm. the elite left him. And now he's got some drinking buddies. <laughs> um, it's, it's a fun dynamic. And I think that whatever happens after it's definitely going to be a part of the story because he's supposed to be imperfect mm -hmm. and that's why the crowd loves him because you know they they know he's imperfect but he tries his best and his heart's in the right place mm -hmm. i think if they do go the route of uh an adam page cm punk uh feud you can have punk almost go with the you know more on the healer side and I mean, the fact that Adam Page, you know, he enjoys his beers, the, everyone is a little bit anxious nowadays. So, I mean, the crowd is even going to 
get behind him even more in that feud. And I'd, I'd love to see those two across the ring from each other because I think it'll be, it'll come across incredible and they'd have a fantastic match. Do you think this is going to be the feud that's to come for now? I think that's what we're going to get leading into the next pay-per-view. I think it's going to be headlined Adam Page versus CM Punk. Hmm. And that's uh, the one you're ready for. I think I think they could have a lot of fun with it. I think you're going to get a uh, another Page feud before that because with the doing four pay-per-views a year, having three months in between, that's a lot of time. So. I, I kicked it out to a few friends. I think next up for Adam Page is going to be Miro because we haven't seen him in a while. So you have Miro, Adam Page leading into Adam Page, CM Punk. Fair choice. So, and I've, since Miro came over, I've, as soon as he got rid of the dyed blonde hair gamer gimmick and just became an ass kicker, I was like, I like this. So <laughs> he's having too much fun to start. <laughs> Uh, where where do you what do you see next for adam page uh the cm punk feud i mean after you yeah. push that all i think it's it's a safe bet that's probably what they're leaning towards mm-hmm. i i could see more layers to his character coming out i could mm-hmm. possibly see him um kind of push away the dark order at some point from just depression something along those lines and or maybe getting too dark because you know he didn't want to go to those lengths to do what he's done type of vibe um the honestly the sky's the limit and even if you book him like the classic baby face where he's like he does no wrong i think it still works mm-hmm. at the level he's at right now so there's there's really no wrong for him and it's awesome that there's such a lineup of guys for him to face right now mm-hmm. um it's someone had you know it's going a little off the board but you know, uh, someone had mentioned, you know, Cody not staying, but the fact that they left so many matches on the table that you never got to, or so many rematches. And it just, it speaks to the amount of talent and the storytelling they've done that you're not going to get, you know, two guys doing, you know, five matches back to back to back, you know, you might get that one match and you might not see a rematch for months or even years afterwards. And that's a big testament to their storytelling and talent levels. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they, they're able to do that on their YouTube shows, right? Like Elevation and Dark, they can kind of do a lot of repeats or mix the partners up and stuff, which Mm -hmm. is good for getting chemistry. That's Mm -hmm. definitely a benefit to that. But for the main, these big matches, yeah, space them out, you know, don't, I don't want to see face to confrontation and stuff leading up too much. Like I don't, we don't need to see the repeat match. No. I I actually didn't like the the go home between the main event because I thought they touched a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I personally would rather the crowd want to finally see Hangman hit Adam Page or sorry hit Adam Cole. I gotta get these Adams mixed up uh, at, in the match. Like that's that's what they're paying to see. But if you're gonna give it to them the week before, leading up to it, it's not as much as like I'm excited to see that happen. You, know. you you really want to build to those first uh, few physical encounters between them and not just have it on TV. Let the, you know, you have that cheap shot, but Adam Page getting his come up and you want to see that on the pay-per-view. Build yeah, that's that. the, yeah. I think that's, that's what it should be. Like mm-hmm. if we saw Punk bloody MJF before the match, you know, no one cares about the match anymore because it's like it already happened basically. Mm-hmm. This is just extra. But having MJF, you know, bloody punk, leaving him like that, the promo punk had afterwards, 
all it's going to do is you want to see MJF get his comeuppance even more. And it just built to that and really encapsulated it. So, yeah, I, I could even see uh, like MJF going up if he, if he doesn't do the thing with war though, which is definitely likely to happen. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to see MJF be the one to have a big feud with uh, Adam page. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that'd be no matter which route they go, I think they're, They've done it since the beginning. They've delivered with all of their main event feuds so far. And I could I see no different heading out of this one. I think the options are endless and I fully expect them to deliver no matter which route they go. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it must be a lot of pressure on them to always deliver now, but um, I don't see them having that issue with all the people they have on board. Mm, no. um, I will say that this is the first AEW pay-per-view I've seen that it really, like to come full circle, it came it felt like they've come to their own identity as mm-hmm. a brand. Like they, they've kind of had their own styles and they'll showcase a lot of different things in the past, but this time around they're staying invested with their new babyface champion. That's homegrown. And like they had all of their different matches. It really felt like, like they've really found their identity as the company. Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely know what you're, what you're saying with this one. Did you, you feel that a bit? Uh, you did, or I did. Sorry. It really came across that way. And it's like, they're they've been here for you know three years and but now it's it's almost like they're going to that next level and really showcasing what AEW is all about yeah i think the first few years it was a lot of we're kind of riding off the back of like kenny omega success mm-hmm. the young buck success cody success and we we're kind of relying on these guys and moxley and jericho and now it's kind of like we don't need that anymore so let's see these other investments flourish and mm-hmm. it's it's cool I mean, I'm sure he still has years ahead of him, but I mean, you know, Kenny, he's had to take some time off and he, he's not going to be there forever. So you have to make sure that you still have a company that can run if he stops or if the young bucks stop, because they're not going to be there forever. So you got to make sure that you've built a company that will be able to stand the test of time and get by if they aren't there or if they can't go for whatever reason. And I think yeah. they have that now. Yeah. Also probably a best blessing in disguise, taking a break. Uh, right now for Kenny, of course, for his injuries. But you know, when wrestlers take breaks, people at that level anyway, when they come back, people are excited for it. And sometimes you just need that little rejuve. Like, you know how fans, they, they get a little fickle, I guess. <laughs> or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. they, they want instant gratification, right? It's the debut comes and they're, they're like, cool. And they, they're waiting for the next one already instead of mm-hmm. enjoying what they just got. And, uh, I expect it to keep continuing now with uh, free agents such as Claudio and Joe and stuff, mm-hmm. which with this faction with Mox and Brian, I wouldn't be too surprised if they came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd make a lot of sense, but I, I don't want, I don't think the show should always revolve around. Um, we have the surprise of this person coming in. Right? Yeah. And unfortunately though, a lot of fans, they, they, that's what excites them the most, the breaking news instead mm-hmm. of the content of what's happening. Like the, uh, I, you know, I'm as much of a fan of surprises as anyone, but after we've gotten so many over the past couple of months, I, I'm almost like, okay, let's, let's enjoy what we have now. Let's be able to see Swerve Strickland wrestle. Let's see Brody King wrestle a little bit more. Let's show everyone what they can do and then bring in more later. But you've brought in so many, I want to see them now. Yeah, let it simmer a bit. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I do like that, that there's different identity for both their shows, their main shows, Rampage and Dynamite. They really mm -hmm. kind of feature different people for them both, and it mm -hmm. gives it a different identity. Um, this past week's Rampage was the first one I've watched live in a while, and it was great. The, pardon me, the triple threat match to open was fantastic. A couple innovative spots. And all throughout the Serena Deeb match, the Keith Lee match, and I can't remember the last one, but uh, all all the matches, they brought something different and they were all a lot of fun. So I really enjoy what they're doing. That's so. going to be a great for me. <laughs> um, yeah. Jackie, I appreciate you doing this with me uh, today. Where can people find you online? And if you've got anything you want to plug? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JackieTheJetLee. All my links are set up there in the comments. If you want to find me on Instagram, Jackie the Jet Lee as well, or the Mystic Style if you want to see some of my art. Perfect. That's basically it for now. Awesome. Thank you, Jackie. And uh, I appreciate everyone taking the time out to uh, listen to us talk about wrestling. Um, you can find me up on Twitter at GreatMakerPod. Uh, email, you can email me at GreatMakerPodcast at gmail.com. If you've got questions, comments, concerns, uh, any of that stuff, send it there up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and recently, uh, whatamaneuver.net uh, t-shirts up on there. Search Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. Half, 50% of all the profits is being donated to Ray Winnipeg, Resource Assistance for Youth, just trying to help donate some to them. So grab a shirt and know that your money is going to help out. So thank you to Jackie and thank Great. you for listening. So we will talk soon.